Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. We're in your house gathered together to hear your word, and our ears are open and our hearts are ready to receive, and we just believe right now, and we just agree right now in the name of Jesus that we're going to leave out better than we came in today. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Are you all ready to receive? Do you believe you're going to leave better than you came in? I hope so. I hope so. I woke up excited. I've actually been excited all week, looking forward to the, today. A couple reasons. Uh, one being because we're eating next door. And it's always good. Amen. The other is just uh, it's a special day um, that we sometimes take for granted, getting together together freely like this. And uh, it's a day that we shouldn't take lightly. Never, never should take the Word of God lightly. Amen. So anyway, let's jump into the Scripture here, and then uh, we'll talk about it. We'll start in John, the 19th chapter. The 19th chapter of John. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now this is Him hanging on the cross. It says, Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And a couple, few weeks ago, we learned that that word is paradidomai, which means he, he gave it up. He handed it over. Nobody took it. He gave it. Amen? So... Jesus said, I thirst, I thirst. So today we're going to talk about that, I thirst. And um, me, myself, I'm probably a, a, a server's a waitress or a waiter at a restaurant, a server's worst nightmare. And not because I'm rude when I go in there or anything like that. I'm not rude to them, not because I'm a bad tipper. You know, a lot of times Christians go in after church, instead of leaving the tip, you're writing down your favorite Bible verse. Don't be a cheapskate, tip those people. But not because I'm a bad tipper, I'm actually a good tipper. But uh, just because I'm a demanding, uh, you know, um, I, want, I want to get what I paid for. I want to get what I paid for. So I've got stories for days I can tell you about me and my restaurant days. Um, but um, one comes to mind, and me and my brother-in-law John were talking about it this morning. One time a few years ago, we went to uh, Outback. And I couldn't decide what to get, so I ordered the no-rules pasta. And they brought me this pasta, and I'm expecting it to be, you know, like it says, no rules. Very flavorful. I'm expecting it to be something really tasty. So I dig into it and take a bite of it, and I was like, this pasta's not worth the flip. It's not good. So I was like, called my server over there, and I said, uh, hey, bud, listen, I ordered the no-rules pasta. And this, this pasta here definitely has rules. So I guess not good. I need someone with no rules. And, uh, you know, stuff like that. So I say server's worst nightmare. That's not that terrible. I just was expecting some no rules. Pasta, kind of like when you go and get pizza and you want some cheese on your pizza. 
right? And what good's a pizza with no cheese? Well, uh, when the boys were really, really little, and uh, Maria over here, raise your hand. Yeah, that's her. She was over at my house, and she was just a little thing too. And she was over there with Mackenzie. Well, we had been getting these pizzas. Uh, I think it was every Tuesday or every Thursday night, we would get these pizzas from Pizza Hut. They had a, maybe some kind of a deal or something, so Jackie would get these pizzas. And so for weeks and weeks, these pizzas, are they don't have any cheese on them. They're missing cheese. I mean, they're just big spots of bare bread, and it was just... It just wasn't good. So I said, you know what? The next time we get pizza from Pizza Hut with no cheese on it, I'm taking it up there myself, and we're going to get this situation straightened out. So uh, Jackie picked the pizzas up. I just came in, and I remember, like it was yesterday, Maria goes, she opened that pizza box, and she said, this pizza doesn't have any cheese on it. So I snapped, and I grabbed the pizza, and I went up there to Pizza Hut, and I went in, and I said, listen, buddy, I said, this pizza... I said, you see the picture? I pointed at the picture on the wall. I said, that's what I ordered right there. That one right there. And I opened the lid. I said, does this look like that? And he looked at it and he goes, yeah, that's pepperoni pizza. And I said, no, it doesn't have any cheese on it. Anyway, we went round and around. I finally had to carry my pizza throughout the restaurant to take a, 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 a poll and ask all the customers there if they thought I had no cheese on my pizza. They finally agreed to stop it and make me a pizza with some extra cheese. They probably put some extra other stuff on there, I bet, but I didn't eat it. So, <laughs> But really, I was thinking about me and my family going and this scripture, I thirst. And I was thinking about when we go, I drink a lot. Like I'll get a lot of refills, a whole lot of refills. And when there's six of us, and if we have other people with us, I mean, there'll be eight or ten of us. And, you know, that's just a lot of refilling. He's always coming over there refilling. And it's, a lot of times it's best if you just leave the whole picture with us or just bring us some extra in advance. But I would drink six, eight, ten glasses by myself, no problem. I remember going when I was with my uncle when I was a little kid, and we went to a Japanese restaurant, and that's before they had free refills. Anybody remember that? Now, most of y'all in here, that's all you know is free refills. But there was a time where you didn't get free refills. You carried your cup up to the lady and you told her, or the man, you said, I would like another drink. And they said, that's fine. It'd be another dollar, a couple of dollars, or whatever it was. You paid for it. There wasn't free refills. And I remember I had like 12 Cokes and they charged him. Uh, you know, a dollar fifty for every Coke and he's still talking about it. It's been 30 years. He's still <laughs> complaining about it. But I'm thirsty. I get thirsty. I drink a lot. I drink a whole lot. Uh, out at work, I drink a lot during the day. I'm just a, I'm a thirsty man. <laughs> a thirst can have other meanings. Amen? You can be thirsty for worldly things. But Jesus right here, he says, I thirst. I thirst. And you see here in the scripture, it says <clears throat> that they had given this sour wine. That the vessel of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled it with a sponge. They put it up there to his mouth. They gave Jesus sour wine for his drink. Before he was actually ever offered this drink, the sour wine, uh, 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 a little bit earlier in the crucifixion, he was actually offered another drink that had uh, a gal in it or myrrh in it. So the women would oftentimes prepare that and bring it to the men. The men didn't prepare it. The women would bring it because they felt sorry for the men that were being tortured. 
and it would, it would help them to numb the pain. So they actually brought this drink to Jesus earlier on during the, the, during the whole process, and he refused it. He turned it away. He pushed it away. He said, no, he, he couldn't take that drink. And a lot of us need to do that as well because the world's offering you another drink, offering you something that's going to stop you from fulfilling the purpose that God has on your life or that's going to create a detour that's going to take you a whole lot longer to fulfill the purpose that God's on your life. And you need to do the same thing and just push it away. Say, I don't want that drink. That's not the drink that I want. You know why? Because that's not ever going to quench your thirst. You'll go through life dehydrated. Amen. But these men, there when he's hanging on the cross, and it said after everything had been completed, um, that they offered him this, or Jesus cried out, I thirst, and they offered him this sour wine. Well, a lot, a lot of people may not understand what that means, and it, it, it can get complicated, and it, it can be confusing, but there's an exchange that takes place. The whole cross, him going to the cross is an exchange. He's taking your place. That's what we deserve. Everything that he went through, that's what we deserve. And what we get is what he deserved. You know what? We get righteousness. That's what he deserved. We don't deserve righteousness. Amen? But he took our place. There's an exchange. That's why John says that he became the propitiation for our sins. That means everything that was coming to us was diverted and went to Jesus. And everything that was coming to Jesus was diverted and went to us. He took our place. So if you go back, go back, go way back to the children of Israel and they're in Egypt and they're in bondage and they can't get out. They got no military might, power. There's absolutely no way they can get out of here. And God tells them, tells Moses what to tell the people. And he says to take this blood and take the hyssop and dip the hyssop in the blood and put it over the doorpost. Over the lintel, put it around your door. And tonight when the death angel comes through, guess what? He's going to pass over your house. Because the blood of that lamb is what satisfies the holy God. Amen? So he was satisfied by the blood. And uh, just like Mark was talking about, about the keys. You know what? Satan opened the door, looked in the door and said, I'm going to have to keep moving. I got the wrong house. I just picture God sitting in there in, in a rocking chair. And when Satan opens the door, that's what he sees. And he's like, not this house, not this one. But that hyssop was applied to that doorpost. Y'all following me? The hyssop was applied to the doorpost. Now fast forward to the cross. And here is Jesus, and here's this sour wine. And the sour wine is put on the sponge and put to his mouth with what? The hyssop. Well, that's got to that's mean something. Surely that means something. It does mean something. That means there was an exchange. He took our cup and we got his cup. He took our cup and we got his cup. In Matthew, the 20th chapter, you remember uh, Zebedee's wife, the mother of James and John? James and John come to Jesus and they say, can, can we sit with you, one on your right, one on your left, when you enter into the kingdom? And um, the mother comes and says, I've got a request for you said, can my sons, can one of them sit on the right and one on the left of you enter into the kingdom? And Jesus says, do you think that you can drink this cup that I'm fixing to partake of? Do you think you can drink this cup and be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? No. She couldn't drink the cup. 
There was an exchange. You understand the, that cup that he had is representing the sin, the curse, everything that's on the entire world. That's the cup that he drank for you and I. And we got his cup, he got our cup, and we got his cup. Amen. That's good news. That's something to be excited about. Praise the Lord. At the Last Supper, he says, here's the bread. Eat the bread. This is representing my body that was broken for you. Here's the cup. This is representing the new covenant that's provided to you by my blood. Drink this, blood. Drink this cup. Drink this cup. Drink this cup because I'm fixing to drink your cup. I'm giving you this cup and I'm taking your cup. There's an exchange that took place on the cross. Amen. And Jesus is in the garden and he's sweating. Blood. I've been stressed out before. I've had some stress in my life on certain occasions, different things. I'm usually pretty chilled out. I don't really get a lot stressed or uptight or anxious or anything like that. It takes a lot to get to get me, but um, whatever height, whatever amount, whatever the worst amount of stress I've ever had, I can tell you I wasn't close to sweating blood. Jesus knows he's fixing to go. He knows what he's fixing to go through. This is why he came to earth, to take our place, to become sin, and to, to make this exchange. This whole thing's a setup. And you're talking about the sin of the entire world upon his body, the sickness and the disease of the entire world upon his body. He came from heaven. He's at the right hand of the throne of God. You're talking about righteousness. He is righteousness. He is literally righteousness in a body, walking around on legs. He's righteousness. But he's fixing to exchange and take and become sin and give us his righteousness and go to a cross and go through everything that he went through before, uh, before he took his last breath and before he, he gave up his spirit. And he, he, he's stressing there and he, to the point he's bleeding. And he says, if there's another way, if there's another way, in other words, I don't want to drink this cup. I don't want to drink it. If there's any other way that we can get this done, Father, without me drinking this cup, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But if not, I'll do it. If not, I'll be wrongly, wrongly, wrongfully accused. They lie about me, spit in my face, pluck out my beard, put the crown of thorns on my head, strip me naked, tie me to a whipping post, and give me lashes. I think hundreds of lashes. I can't prove it, but you can't prove me wrong. I don't think it was 39 lashes. Paul got 39 lashes. Lots of people got 39 lashes. You think our Lord and Savior only got 39? No, I think he was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds because the Jews didn't crucify him. The Romans did, and the Romans didn't have to go by the Jewish rules and laws. I think they gave him hundreds. I think they tried to kill him at the whipping post. In fact, history says they tried to kill you at the whipping post because that way they got off work early. Let's get the job done right here. That way we don't have to pull him down off the cross. We don't have to stay late today. We can take off early. He says, let this cup pass from me, but if not, I'll do it. I'll go through this torture. I'll go through every bit of it. I'll do it for him. But I'd rather this cup pass from me if there's another way. No, she couldn't drink that cup. No, the wife of Zebedee, the mother in James and John, who was saying, yeah, I can drink that cup. No, she couldn't drink that cup. You can't drink the cup. We can't drink the cup. In fact, our sins, our shortcomings, our failures, our mistakes is what filled the cup. 
You know, you talk about make your bed and lay in it. We made the bed, but he laid in it for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's an exchange taking place. The exchange took place on the cross. And see, the whole thing's a setup. They think they're setting him up. They think they're trapping him. He's fulfilling prophecy. He's fulfilling the thing that God sent him to do. It's a mission, a rescue mission to rescue you and me, you and I from hell. Amen. Judas thought he set him up. Judas thought he trapped him. Then the Sanhedrin, they think they set him up. They think they trapped him. And then Pontius Pilate said, oh, yeah, I got you right here. And then Herod's like, no, I got you. And then the Roman soldiers, now they've got him. None of them set him up. None of them trapped him. He set them up. He trapped them. It was a setup. It was a setup. In Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, in the 29th verse, I want to show you something, and I've taught on this a few times, and some people, they don't seem to get as excited as I do about this. I love this scripture. I like what it brings out. I like what it teaches us. It says, in those days they shall say no more. What days? That's not now. That's talking about after the new covenant. That's talking about after Jesus goes to a cross and dies for us. That's what it's talking about, in those days. That the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. What does that mean? The fathers ate the sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. That's talking about a curse. The curse that's on you for sin that you didn't even sin. Born into a world full of sin before you ever even sinned. Why? Because the fathers ate the sour grapes. And the children's teeth are set on edge. Have you, uh, have you ever heard of generational curse? Well, generational curse is a real thing. But you know what? We've been set free from it. Generational curse shouldn't apply to you. Why? Because Jesus went to a cross and died for you. He became the curse. Cursed is the man that hangeth on the tree. He hung on the tree and became a curse for you and I so that you and I could become the righteousness of God through the blood of Jesus. Amen. But right here he says, In those days the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity, and every man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. In other words, the children aren't going to have to pay for the sins of their fathers anymore. And just, just two nights ago, I know it's going to be hard to believe, but I was watching Gunsmoke. <laughs> and this man had done a dirty, rotten thing. And his son didn't do anything. His son was just a little boy when his dad did the dirty, rotten thing. But now his son's a man. And the people in the town were treating him awful. And Miss Kitty was getting on him. And she said, the son shouldn't have to pay for the sins of the father. Leave that boy alone. And I was thinking, hey, she's quoting scripture. Yeah. And then she bought her a round of drinks for everybody. So <laughs> whiskey on the house, but... So there was an old covenant. If you keep on reading here in Jeremiah, there's an old covenant when he says he brought them out of the hand and led them out of Egypt and then they broke the covenant. It's talking about the Ten Commandments. Moses comes down the mountain. They're already out there sinning and doing all these things. And he throws down the stone tablets and breaks and Moses has to go back up and come back down the mountain again. But they broke the covenant. 
they broke the covenant for years and years and years and years thereafter. They broke the covenant. People couldn't keep the covenant. They couldn't keep the commands. They couldn't fulfill them. That's why Jesus came and he didn't sweep it under a rug. He fulfilled the commandments. He fulfilled the covenant. He fulfilled it for you and for me. He did a job that you and I couldn't do. That's why he cried out, it's finished because now the work's done. What work? The work that you couldn't do and the work that I couldn't do. Jesus did the work for us. Amen. In the 34th verse there in Jeremiah, I don't have it on the screen, but it says that he's going to forgive our iniquities and our, um, our sins that he will remember no more. He's talking about the new covenant. In this new covenant, the children's teeth aren't going to be set on edge because the fathers ate the sour grapes. Also in this new covenant, I'm, I'm forgiving your iniquities and your sins. I'll remember no more. That's the new covenant. That's the exchange that was taking place. Do you understand? He drank the cup of sin and iniquity for you and I, and then we get this cup of righteousness. It's something to be excited about. It's something to be excited about. I know it probably sounds like an Easter sermon, but um, you can't preach. I mean, every Sunday is an Easter sermon because every, everything you preach should be pointing to the cross. Amen? So, when they put this hyssop branch up there with this sour wine on there, sour wine to, to the mouth of Jesus, and he takes the drink to his lips, and he says, it's finished, bowing his head, he gives up his spirit. The last thing he did was took that drink of that sour wine that's put up to his lips by the hyssop. And remember, the hyssop applied the blood to the doorposts for the children of Israel to get them out of Egypt. Amen? The, ch the children's teeth are set on edge because the fathers eat the sour grapes. Do you see here? Sour wine is made from sour grapes. Do you see here that Jesus took that drink? He took that curse. He took generational curse for you and, and for me. That's exciting. But see, they thought they were being cruel. Oh, you're thirsty? Well, let's give you some sour wine. Let's give you some vinegar. That'll be good. And I say before, he's not, he wasn't thirsty. I preached before, he wasn't thirsty for water. Well, you know what? After all he's been through, was he, was he wanting a drink of water? I mean, sure, a drink of water probably would be, would be nice. But I don't think he's saying, hey, guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at the point of dying here. I mean, all the skin's been beat completely off my entire body. I'm hanging on the cross. I've got nails through my hands, through my feet, crown of thorns in my head. Would somebody give me a drink? I mean, he's moments away from dying. I've never been in, the, in, the, in that kind of a situation, but in my worst pain in my life when I've been laying there in agony waiting on the ambulance to show up, I never thought, hey, would somebody give me a drink of water? I just wanted the pain to go away. Jesus is not talking about a thirst right here that can be quenched with water. He's talking about a thirst that he had never experienced before. What kind of thirst? He's thirsty for righteousness. He's thirsty for righteousness. There was an exchange that took place. Do you, are you following me? He's thirsty for righteousness. He tells us in Scripture to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. Praise the Lord. But this whole thing where he asked him for a drink, I say it was a setup. It was a setup 
so that he could fulfill this prophecy, so that he could fulfill and finish all the work there that it was to be accomplished on the cross. And they think they're being cruel by giving him a drink of sour wine, sour vinegar here. Look in Psalms, the 69th chapter of, uh, of Psalms. This is David. He's writing. He says, Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. Have you ever been in that situation where you just needed somebody to comfort you, somebody to take pity on you, but there's nobody around? In fact, it's the opposite. They also gave me gal for my food and for my thirst. Gall. You want to preach this? That's what I thought. It gave me gall. Yeah, that'll shut them up. Gave me gall for my food and for my thirst. They gave me vinegar to drink. They gave him the opposite of what he needed from a natural standpoint. It's actually a bitter, it's a, it's, a, it's a green plant that's bitter. Gall is. It's a bitter, has a bitter taste. And for my thirst, they gave me, drink, they gave me vinegar to drink. It says, but let their table become a snare before them and their well-being be a trap. See, get that right there. Let it become a trap. What they're trying to do, see, they think they've set me up and they think they're trapping me here, but really what they're doing, let it be a trap. See, they're really trapping themselves. It's the thirst trap. It's the thirst trap. There's some thirsty people in this world. They go on Facebook because they're thirsty. They put on all their comments. They wake up in the morning. They can't wait to look at their posts to see how many people have commented, liked it, shared it, or done something because they're thirsty. They're trying to get something to quench their thirst and just, just to have to do another post the next day because it's never going to fulfill you and it's never going to satisfy you. There's thirsty people. They're, they try to quench their thirst and fulfill their thirst and get satisfied through hobbies, through dating, through men, through women, through the money, through, through their jobs, through all sorts of different things in this world, but this world will never satisfy your thirst. It's always going to leave you dehydrated. You're always going to need more. But see, it wants to trick you. Satan wants to trick you. He's wanting you... To come up there and try to get you a refill. Praise the Lord. That's the truth. But this right here in Psalms, in the, in the 69th we just read, it's a trap. It was a trap. They weren't trapping him. He was trapping them. Praise the Lord. He took our place. You know why he became thirsty? So that you and I wouldn't have to thirst. He became empty and dry and dehydrated and thirsty so that you and I could have free refills for life. You know, you go to the restaurant, you go up there, you get your free refill. It's an amazing thing. You just keep going back. And that Coke just keeps coming out. Coke Zero just keeps coming out. Sweet tea just keeps coming out. It just keeps coming out. And in the event that it doesn't come out, you just say, man, this, this thing right here is empty, and they'll refill it, and it just keeps coming out. It's free refills. Free refills. But it costs somebody something. That's what Mr. Little taught me in Gardner High School. There's no such thing as a free lunch. It's going to cost somebody something. Yeah, your, your free refill, it costs somebody something. It cost Jesus his life. It cost him his life. But he loved you. 
He wanted you to have free refills for life. Amen. There's another time, and Jesus is talking about a thirsty person. A thirsty person, and he's traveling. He's going from point A to point B, and they ordinarily they would go around Samaria because the Samaritans didn't socialize with the Jewish people because the Jewish people were a pure class and the Samaritans were not. They were like a half-breed. So Jewish people looked down on them. They didn't socialize with them at all. They were outcasts. But Jesus makes it a point to go right through the middle of this town in the heat of the day. And he goes up to Jacob's well. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's when it's hot. You don't go to the well in the heat of the day. You go to the well in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. That's when you go to the well. Nobody goes to the well in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, unless you don't want to see anybody at the well. And that's what she was doing. She's waiting till the, the well's cleared out. It's the heat of the day. Nobody's there because of the shame that's on her. She doesn't want to see anybody. And she goes to the well. And who is sitting on the well other than none other than the well himself? The well is sitting on a well. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, he said, give me a drink. It's kind of like saying, I thirst. He said, give me a drink. Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew asking me for a drink? A Samaritan woman. For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So Jesus is sitting on this well. This woman comes up, heat the day, with her bucket, thinking she's going to get it filled. And Jesus says, give me a drink. And then she replies, are you talking to me? 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 Sometimes we do that during church service, don't we? I mean, the preacher's preaching real good. And you're sitting out here, kind of like this. And then you're amen and you're listening to him. He's doing good. And you're like, I hope you're listening. Because he ain't talking to me. <laughs> I hope the guy in the back's listening. Looks like he's asleep. But uh, regardless, he's not talking to me. He must be talking to you. You need to look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, I think he's talking to you. I used to do that every Sunday. It's a good sermon. I hope old Bobby's listening. Because <laughs> I know he ain't talking to me. I am talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to your old lady, as you call her. I'm talking to you. She was thirsty. She was thirsty. And Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, if you knew who I was, asking you for a drink, then you would ask me, you'd ask me to give you a drink, a drink of living water. Then the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you go to get this living water? Where do you go to get these free refills that you speak of? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from itself? as well as his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Praise the Lord. He gave her a drink of living water. She goes there thirsty. She's not anticipating getting what she got. You see that all through the Bible. People aren't anticipating getting what they get from Jesus. I mean, people are at a Red Sea. They're not anticipating. Moses is not there anticipating the Red Sea to part. That's how Jesus works. They're out there in a storm. They don't expect Jesus to come walking on the water. The, they've put Jesus in the tomb. They're not expecting Him to come out of it three days later victorious because things are not always as though they appear, especially when you're talking about the kingdom of God because that's the way Jesus, that's the way He works. That's the way He works. Amen. And He gave her living water. He gave her living water to drink. She said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst and come here to draw anymore. And Jesus said, Go call your husband and come here. Go call your husband. And she said, Well, you see, what, what, what had happened was, uh, and the woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. And you said, you've said well that you have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. You spoke the truth. You spoke the truth. He's not picking on her. He's not pointing out her faults and failures and shortcomings and pointing out the fact that she's already had five marriages that didn't work out, and now she's got this other dude who she's not even married to. He's just saying, you're still thirsty. These men that you're trying to quench your thirst with, they keep leaving you thirsty, and you're going to continue to be thirsty. I'm the only one that can satisfy your thirst. And what I'm telling you this morning is the same thing applies to you and to me. There's nothing wrong with being thirsty. We're all thirsty. Look at your neighbor and say, you thirsty. Y'all don't participate very well. But you are. You're thirsty to think, no, I'm not thirsty. I'm uh, saved, baptized, filled with the Spirit. I don't get thirsty. What a lie. You are thirsty. You came from the dirt, the dust of the ground. You, you thirsty because you're dusty. Everybody's thirsty. You're going to get thirsty. There's nothing wrong with being thirsty. Jesus never said there's anything wrong with being thirsty. He just says, what, what, what's wrong is where you're trying to fill your bucket because you're going to continue to be thirsty. You're going to have to come to the well. And I'll quench your thirst. It's a, it's, a, it's a well that's on the inside of you. It's living water and there's free refills for life. Amen. You're going to be thirsty. We get thirsty. Christians get thirsty. Preachers get thirsty. Sunday school teachers, praise and worship leaders get thirsty. There's nothing, being, there's nothing wrong with being thirsty, but there's only one thing that's going to satisfy your thirst. There's only one thing that's going to satisfy your soul. And that's that living water that, only, that He and only He can provide. Amen. And some of you are sitting in this room right now and you know you've been trying to fill a thirst and for years and years and years and you try drugs, you try alcohol, you try men, you try women, you try hobbies, you try all sorts of different things, but you just keep coming back because you're still thirsty. And just like this woman, the shame kept her from coming. Shame will make you a very thirsty man or a very thirsty woman. But you know, Jesus took the shame for you. That's one reason he was stripped down completely naked and carries a cross down the Dia Vel, Dela, 
I can't even speak. Via Della Rosa, the main street through town, right in front of everybody. Why? Because it was shame. It was a shameful thing. He took your shame. Praise the Lord. She was thirsty. Like I said, we all are thirsty. Do you know what? If he fills her with some living water, she leaves her bucket there. She goes back to town. She says, everybody, you've got to meet this man. I think he's the one. I think he's Jesus Christ. And it says everybody left from town to come out to meet Jesus. You see, she's leading other people to Jesus. You see, it's a trap. It's a thirst trap. He used a thirsty woman. He used her to go into a town and minister to other people. He'll, he'll use you just the same. He'll use you just the same. They thought they trapped him. He was trapping them. It was a setup the whole time. He was there at a specific time, a specific place to meet this woman. Amen? And I want you to look at the difference here. This woman's thirsty and what he gives her. Jesus is thirsty. Look what the soldiers gave him. And I think about other people in our lives that are thirsty. What do we give them? If Jesus is hanging on a cross and you're there, and he says, I thirst. Are you going to run as fast as you can to carry him a cool drink of water? I mean, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is thirsty. And he says, I thirst. Are you going to carry him a drink of water or would you carry him vinegar? Well, I would sure hope you'd carry him a drink of water. I would sure hope you'd carry him water. Now think about how we have an opportunity to... Provide other people with water. Living water. And so many times we don't. And when we don't, I guess you could say it's kind of like giving them a sour wine. Something that's not what they need. They need comforted and they need help. We'll get into that just a little bit. We'll wrap this thing up right here. I'm going to turn you loose. What do we give? You see the gospel working here. That's what I want you to see is the gospel at work. The gospel at work. The gospel is at work. This woman comes to a well that she's been coming to for years. And she keeps coming back thirsty. And she keeps coming back thirsty. And she's been let down by man after man after man after man. That's all she knows. She's just trying to satisfy her thirst. But she keeps finding herself dehydrated, thirsty for more. She needs more. And I found out the other day that that's what kids say nowadays, teenagers. Like, if a guy is trying really hard to get a date, the girls will say, he's thirsty. That's what we do. That's what we do. Thirsting for something because, because you're thirsty and you're wanting to satisfy it. And you see the gospel working here, how he satisfies her thirst and now she's going back into town to help other people with their thirst. <clears throat> so I talked to 
And Jason and Melissa yesterday, they came out of my shop and they grabbed a trailer to use to move some things around. We talked for a little while and I asked them permission if I could talk about them a little bit today and they told me I could. But um, they started coming to church here quite some time ago. And um, they were honest and open with me. And they said, we don't mind sharing our story because you know why we share our story? It's going to help other people because other people are going to say, hey, if God can do it for us, he can do it for anybody. Amen? Amen. But um, they came in. They were thirsty. They were thirsty. They had been going to this well for years and years, every day going back to this well, but kept finding themselves thirsty for more and more and more and more. And they were, they were, they were on drugs. They, that's just the truth. They were taking drugs. And every day they'd have to go back for more and have to go back for more and have to go back for more. But what was amazing to me is that they came to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. High. They would come to church high on drugs. High, but they were at church. And I would notice they would go back to the drop box and they were putting an envelope in there. I was wondering, what in the world are they putting in there? Is it, maybe it's a prayer request. No, it was tithes and offerings. So they came to church high, but putting tithes and offerings in the drop box and coming every Sunday and every Wednesday and not missing. And I thought, wow, I know Christians that's been coming to church 20, 30 years and they don't come every week and they never put anything in the box. <laughs> and here's these people being faithful you know why? Because they were thirsty. They were thirsty for something else. They were thirsty for something else. They said, this isn't satisfying our thirst anymore. We obviously need something else. So they just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And you know what? Things started changing and changing and changing. That's the way the gospel works. You just come to Jesus. He'll clean you up. You don't get clean. Then come to the Lord. You come to the Lord and He gets you clean. And through this process of time, um, they're clean. In fact, today's 108 days clean. A hundred and eight days, because I, I get a report. I like to get the report. Sometimes I ask. hundred and eight days. A hundred and eight days. Clean. It's a long time. Do you see do you see what's do you see what's happened in their lives? Do do you see what happens when you come to the well? When you come to the well? When you come to the well. All you thirst, you'll thirst no more when you come to the well. It's a setup. It's a trap. You think, we read the scripture, they thought they were setting him up. He was setting them up. He's setting you up. It's a setup. You think you're in the garden of Gethsemane right now and you're going through a tight spot and you're sweating blood. It's a setup. It's just a setup. He knows what he do, he's doing. He can see the beginning from the end. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, I'll end with this. I'll end with this. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, which is... I may not end with this, but I'm getting close to the end with this. But we're, we're close. We're close, I assure you. 
in Matthew, the 25th chapter. That's where we get our Project 25 from. And it says in Matthew 25, the 31st verse, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels are with Him, He's going to sit on the throne of His glory. And all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. I just got to touch on this for just a second. The sheep are going to be on the right and the goats are going to be on the left. The right and the left. Are you a goat or a sheep? That's up to you. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come. Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And here's what he says. This is the part I want you to get. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink. When do we see you thirsty and give you a drink? When? We don't remember seeing you hungry, naked, thirsty, or in prison. When? And he says, when did you see a stranger? No, I jumped ahead of myself. They said, the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? When do we see you, a stranger, and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You did it to me. And then it goes on to the goats and it says, you didn't do it. And they said, when did we not do it? He says, when you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. My point is this. How do you give him a, how do you give him a drink? How do you feed him? How do you clothe him? You do it to them. When you do it to them, you do it to him. So people say, how do I love God? How do I love God? We look up there like he's up there, but he's really in here. How do I love him? How do I love Him? Well, when you love them, you love Him. So you're married. How do I love God? When you love her, you love Him. When you love Him, you love Him. When you love them, you love Him. That's how you love on God. Are you following me? When your wife is not cooking your favorite meal, but you still love her, when you love her, you're loving Him. And when your husband... You can't get him off the couch. All he wants to do is watch football, but you really want him to go out there and cut the grass. Hey, when you love him, you're loving him. Amen. I'm just trying to help some of y'all guys out. So I say all that to say this Project 25. Um, Jason, you, you and Melissa come over just a second. I'm gonna, I need you up here to help me with this. You can just get right there, it's good. I want y'all to read this. Today's the day, today's 108 days, isn't it? And Psalms 108 says, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I'd say God's fixed your heart, hadn't He? 
So a few weeks ago, you guys don't know this, but you got called into work. You remember? You came by, you put tithes in the bucket in, in, in Dropbox, and you left. But you weren't here that Sunday. So we talked about, about you while you wasn't here. Yeah. So we had a little secret. So next door, we're eating today to celebrate y'all's recovery. 108 days. There's a big old cake over there. It's got 108 written on it. But it's even better than that. We put this Matthew 25 into practice. And um, everybody here has chipped in, helped out. Hang on a second. Basically, they're trying to get them up a, a little bit of a down payment money for a house, a place to live, right? Holy cow. Wow. And here's a Lowe's gift card. You can go buy some light bulbs or something. Um, well, if you've ever, if, if you, you know, this is your family and the uh, Lord brought you here for a reason and, uh, and we do love you and do care about you. And, uh, what's funny is they were, they were donating to themselves this morning. <laughs> None of y'all ever looked down on us when we was in our hardest times and y'all seen us at our lowest point. And y'all still smile to us and stuff. And that meant a lot. Uh, I ain't never been to another church like that. There's a lot of love here. God's here. God's real. Thank y'all. You're welcome, bud. I just spilled water on me. I'm, I'm obviously thirsty. But, um... That's just that's just proof of, of the gospel at work. That's how it's supposed to work. That's what a church is supposed to look like, and um, and um, it's coming to the well, amen. Coming to the well because he's the only one that can fill you, amen. Y'all excited? I'm excited. Y'all y'all can sit down. Good deal. Good deal. Well, praise the Lord. Let's close your eyes for a moment. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'm... I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Never done that. Or maybe you have, and it was years ago, and really didn't mean much to you, but today's a different day, and you, you're thirsty, and you need something. You need the void filled, and you're ready to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You need a Savior. Well, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning. And it won't be to call you up and 